0: I'm your host, Jeff Foran, and this is your place to explore the weird, strange, and unexplained from cryptids and creatures, the paranormal, aliens and UFOs, forbidden knowledge, ancient mysteries, conspiracies, and more. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging out today. Coming up on this episode is a conversation with Les Velez of OPUS, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. He'll be guiding us through the world of alien abductions, along with support networks out there for experiencers, along with the global implications of this disturbing phenomena and what it means for the future of humanity. But before we get into it, I hope you enjoyed my previous spooky season special episode, which was all about the Lizzie Borden murders. It was definitely interesting doing my first kind of true crime themed episode So I hope you liked it. I'll probably do more in the future, and I definitely need to add some more paranormal-type stories to the show. So stay tuned for more of that. And if you haven't yet, make sure to take a minute to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to or streaming, and make sure to set your device to auto-download so you never miss a new episode. One of the biggest ways to help grow the show Two is to share it around with your social networks, and you can also leave a five-star review if you love what you hear. Helps out the show a lot, and I definitely appreciate it. Apple Podcasts has a review system in place for that. So does Good Pods, and I believe Spotify has a review section as well. They have a Q and A type of thing where people can leave comments on episodes and I've seen some pretty nice feedback on there. So thank you for that. And don't forget to give me a follow over on my social media accounts as well. You can find me on Instagram, which is kind of my main base of operations for social media. But I'm also on Facebook, TikTok, X, Threads, YouTube, and I even have a website which has a blog over at strangeology.com. I've been trying to update that a little bit more as of recent, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. I'm everywhere. So if you enjoy what I do and want to find out what I'm up to on a regular basis or want to see more content from me in blog form or short video form, that's where you can find it. Fair warning though, sometimes my video posts can get a little wild in the comment section, but it's all fun. But anyway, I hope everyone out there is doing okay in this wild world that we live in. The cold is starting to set in. Winter is coming, and now it gets dark at five o'clock. So I've got all the yard work done that needed to be done for the season. Closing things down, putting furniture away, doing the final mow of the of the, of the lawn for the season, and getting. All that equipment packed away while I get the snowblower fired up because we're expecting snow in the forecast this week in New England. I don't think it's going to be a lot of snow, but it's coming, but it's all good. And hey, the Strangeology podcast is fast approaching its third birthday, which was, I believe, late December 2020, is when I officially launched the podcast. Strangeology itself celebrated three years. Back in April, which started off as just kind of an Instagram blog type of thing. So perhaps I'll have to plan out a special episode slash end of the year, end of the season spectacular for that. So stay tuned. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get on with the show again. Today's guest is Les Velez, the director of Opus. And there are definitely some interesting revelations about the alien abduction phenomena that I was unfamiliar with going into this episode. So grab a snack, grab a beverage. This is kind of a a big episode and strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Let's go. all right folks welcome back joining me for the show today is les velez les is a graduate from university of vermont and holds a bachelor's degree in business administration les served in the u.s army as a field artillery officer in 1970 and later became the vice president of Lescom engineering based in silicon valley and then in 1991 Les joined MUFON, the mutual UFO network, and worked as a field investigator, as well as a training coordinator and being the assistant state director of MUFON in Northern California. He was also the chairman of the Abduction Experiencer Research Committee and team leader of the Abduction Response Team. Lots of really, really interesting stuff we're gonna get into. And during his time, there, he also facilitated an abduction support group, and then in 1994, he co-founded Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. So, welcome to the show today, Les. Glad to have you on. How are you doing?
1: Great. How are you? Thank you for having me today. I look forward to this.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm doing well. We got lots going on, and uh, this is going to be real fun. Uh, so, I have, I have to ask uh, before we get into all of the, the alien stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a, am uh, a Vermonter. How did you like, uh, going to UVM and, uh, your well, time was, spent here?
1: <laughs> it was great. It was great. Yeah. You know, I was raised in Connecticut and, uh, uh got accepted at UVM and, uh, I played soccer, uh, while I was there, a uh, member of a fraternity. And, uh, I, uh, I had a good time. Matter of fact, it was so good. I almost flunked out at one point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go.
1: But uh, I, 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 righted the ship and uh, did okay. And uh, anyway, life has been good since then. I, I must admit.
0: Great. Great. There you go. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about your, your background and interest in the phenomenon of UFOs, UAPs? Was there a specific moment that got you interested in this?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Jeff. Uh, uh, the the uh, incident what happened when I was 11 years old. Uh, this is when I was living in Connecticut. It was a uh, late October uh, timeframe. It was uh, getting to be uh, dusk, uh, and uh, I was coming back in from feeding my dog, and uh, and uh, I noticed this object that was silently. Moving over this tree line, and it was emanating this uh, this glow, um, and it was oval in in, in uh, shape, and it just silently kept moving along, and it scared the hell out of me. And uh, I ran in the house and tried to get my father to come out. And by the time he did, uh, I or I eventually did convince him to come out, uh, he when nothing was there, it was gone already. And uh, so he said, oh, it's probably just a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud or something, you know, and and I didn't buy that. And I uh, went to the library soon thereafter and uh, uh, picked up a couple of books on UFOs. And back in those days, this is the late 50s, uh, George Adamski was like the, the guy uh, with his incredible photographs of these Venusian craft, as he, he said that they were uh, related to the these Venusian race. And uh, anyway, I, I really got into it for a while. And then, you know, I became an adolescent and girls became a little bit more interesting to me than UFOs. And I kind of forgot about it. And, uh, you know, went off to UVM and uh, uh, went through the ROTC program and, and came out a second lieutenant and uh, went into the field artillery branch and uh, eventually got married and um, had a couple of kids. And in 1985, um, uh, we moved to California from Connecticut. And uh, uh, this is when I, I bought into the, this uh, Luscombe Engineering Company. And uh, I picked up the San Jose Mercury News, as it was called back in those days. And now it's just called the Mercury News. Um, there was an article about Stanton Freeman, this nuclear physicist, that was going to come to San Jose City College to talk about UFOs and the government cover-up. Well, it was like somebody threw a switch. And it was like, oh, my goodness, I got to go see this guy. And I did I, and I expected to see, a, you know, a handful of people uh, at this presentation, but the auditorium was packed. It uh, must have been like 300 people there to listen to him. And uh, on my way out and he did a great, great presentation, of course, he, he always was able to do that. Too bad he passed away here recently. Yes. Um, yes, yes. And uh, so MUFON had a table in the foyer and uh, they have a monthly journal. So. I decided, okay, I'm gonna get this journal and start reading about these cases. Well, after a while, that wasn't enough for me. I uh, decided that uh, I gotta get more involved. And so they have a field investigator training course. And so I took it and I passed. And uh, soon thereafter, I was investigating cases along with a more senior investigator, which is the way they like to do that to team you up with a more uh, seasoned uh, investigator. Well, as it turned out, The cases that we got involved with were almost without exception, were not only just sightings that people were talking about, they were talking about the fact that they had contact with non human intelligences. And and I'm going, Holy crap. (laughs) So, this, you know, I was basically a nuts and bolts kind of a guy. Uh, You know, I was more interested in just understanding these craft, how they operate, and, and things of that nature. And so the first person that mentioned that to me, I, I, I don't know, you know, it's like one of those things. And But then another person, and then another person, and then another person, almost without exception, the case that I got involved, all these people talked about the fact that they had contact with non-human intelligence. So at that point, my window of believability started to widen quite right, substantially. And um, one day, one of the people that I was investigating said, do you know of other people having experiences like this? And I said, yes, I do. And so next thing I know, I'm facilitating a support group in my office <laughs> in San Jose. And uh, that's when things really got interesting because these were people who were telling me their stories, their experiences. And uh, it was it was just mind boggling, you know, what they were telling me. And uh, so uh, I got a call from uh, the international director of MUFON one day and and said that this uh, reporter from uh, the Monterey Coast Weekly paper was looking to talk to somebody about UFOs, and, and he wanted to do a, a story on it. And so they gave, they asked, he asked me if, I, if they could give uh, uh, my contact information to him. And I said, sure, go ahead. So I was written up in this article, and <laughs> you, you should have seen the, the the front cover of of this uh, weekly paper. My head was on it, about the size, almost the size of the paper. <laughs> Like huge. when I'm looking up in the sky, you know, and UFO investigator Les Fled, you know. And uh, anyway, he did a good job on the article, which I was really happy, happy about. Uh, usually, you know, it's a lot of tongue in cheek, but he was really, you know, nice, did a good job of just telling the story as it is. And uh, shortly thereafter, I got a call from a, a woman down in Carmel, California. Um, that uh, wanted to understand what was going on with her brain when she was in contact with these off earthly entities. And so it was like, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, how could I possibly help somebody like this? So I, I didn't think too much of it at the time. then she said she was working with an emergency room doctor down down in Carmel. And that really triggered my interest because I had a, a doctor friend, uh, Dr. Eugene Lipson, um, that was interested in, in meeting other doctors that were interested in the phenomena. So I, I called him up and I said, Hey, why don't we go down there and see this lady and we can meet this do- other doctor and let's let's dig into this a little bit. So we did. We went down on a, a Saturday afternoon. And as we walked into her house, there was a picture on the wall. And she's standing on the back of a, of a vessel, a fairly large one in beautiful crystal clear blue water, you know. And so I, I asked her, I said, so what's this all about? And she says, well, I was helping these treasure hunters. And I said, really? I said, well, how are you helping these treasure hunters? She says, well, I was in contact with the captain of the galleon that had gone down.
0: <laughs> huh.
1: And that, that started the afternoon off. And uh, she subsequently told us things about, her, about us, that there was no possible way that she could know. And what we found out was that after a near-death experience, uh, she became very psychic and was, was able to be in contact with various entities. And she wrote a number of manuscripts uh, uh, that outlined uh, these conversations that she had with them. And one of them was Jesus, of all people. Uh, so, uh, you know, our window of believability is starting to stretch more and more. Um, and So we came away that afternoon and um, we said, how can we possibly help people like that? And that's when Opus was had. And the, Eugene and I are basically the co-founders, and unfortunately, Eugene passed away a, a couple of years ago. And uh, so I'm the I'm the the last of the co-founders, if you will. Um, and um, uh, it, it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. Uh, on and our basic mission is to help people having paranormal experiences. And you know, we 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 we're not looking only at uh, the abduction phenomena. We can look at other things. But what we have is affiliations with other organizations like, uh, you know, groups that are involved with poltergeist uh, groups that are involved with spiritual awakening or kundalini awakening. Um, and, and because the paranormal is is vast, there's so many a, uh, aspects to it.
0: Yes, yes,
1: I see they're all connected in some, some way that we truly just still don't understand. If we ever will understand, that's another question right <laughs> so that that's kind of how, how how we got started and uh as far as what 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 we do for people when they do contact us they can go to our website opusnetwork.org which is down here somewhere on my
0: screen or behind my
1: behind my head
0: <laughs> yes yes we'll make sure to link all that in the show notes when this goes live for sure we have
1: a couple of buttons on there one is uh... Button uh, where people are looking for help can hit that button, and then we just ask a few questions, and then we uh, uh, turn it over to one of our triage people. We uh, we have a group called the EST within our organization, the Experience Support Team, and these are people that are very uh, knowledgeable about many of the aspects of the paranormal, especially with regard to the uh, um, uh, you know contact with non-human intelligence part. Um, Then we also have a a contact button, which most of the people that go through there are are therapists, mental health practitioners uh, and hypnotherapists that are looking to join our referral network. And that's the second thing that we have. We have a referral network of mental health practitioners and hypnotherapists that uh, can uh, assist these people if that's what they're looking for. And then, of course, the, the thing that I think has proved to be the most helpful for people is our confidential online support group, uh, which right now we have almost 400 people from around the world, literally around the world, uh, that are talking 24 seven about their experiences, asking questions. And this, the fact that people understand that they're not alone, that other people are having very similar types of things going on is so helpful. Uh, it's it's so, you know, it, it, it gives them Uh, the confidence to come forward and and to talk about their their experiences, which is really, really uh, something that uh, helps a person to integrate uh, these types of things, because many people are not having good, good experiences. And so they they need help. And uh, so that's what we're here for. And we're totally neutral. Um, You know, some people come in and say, well, it's all bad. And some people say it's all good. Well, it's a combination of things, just like we have here on this planet. We have good people and we have bad people. (laughs) And I think the same thing is going on in these other realms that you, you know, if you're unlucky that you run into a group that is pretty negative, then uh, those are the kind of people that we try to help and trying to stop those, those types of things from going on. But then you have the other side of the coin with people that are having positive experience. I mean, people coming away, being healed. If they have a a malady or coming away with the ability to heal people. I I know uh, I was, uh, I gave a a talk at an experiencer group uh, at the MUFON Symposium a couple of years ago in Las Vegas. And uh, uh, Robert Salas and his wife, uh, Robert Salas is, uh, you know, if you're familiar with him, he was the uh, captain at the Maelstrom Air Force Base when this UFO came over and shut everything down, all the missiles. Right. And he came up to me afterwards with his wife and said, can we talk to you? And I said, sure, let's go into the exhibitor room because I had a table there. I was talking my book, The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. Uh, so we sat there and talked and we, I found out that both of them had been abducted at the same time in their home. Wow. And um, And she, when she came back, was able to heal people. She had this ability to heal, which she never had before. Uh, and so these are some of the positive aspects of this contact: uh, people being cured of ailments, or people coming away with the ability to heal, and also the ability—psychic abilities are, are very prevalent—and and telepathic capabilities that uh, are, are seem to, to come about after one of these experiences. So. There's so much to this that, you know, once you go down this rabbit hole, there's so many different ways you can go.
0: There really is. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, trying to help people in Mm -hmm. Opus who may have uh, been dealing with negative entities, whether they're paranormal, interdimensional, extraterrestrial. Uh, What are some of the protocols that you you go through to um, help these people with their negative experiences?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, you know, they, they, they contact us and this is how it usually goes down. And um, they, they nine times out of 10, they want to be part of the support group to be able to tell their story and to hear other stories that are very similar to what's going on. And the people uh, in the group, uh, the support group, are, are amazing that they they'll, they'll step right up and start to recommend things that they had done, let's say, to stop what it is. There's a couple of books out there, uh, one by Kathleen Martin, uh, Extraterrestrial Contact, which gives a lot of really useful information on how to stop these kind of things. Also, the, the late Anne uh, How to Protect Yourself Against Alien uh, Abduction, is another book uh, where she outlines, I believe it's nine different ways uh, that people had contacted her, uh, those people having negative experience, what they did to stop it. Um, and so there are certain modalities that uh, people are utilizing and so we recommend those books and then of course the the bottom line is the next step is if they're looking for a mental health practitioner uh that is familiar with the uh the topic and we do we do a major vetting job uh, when we when we bring on uh or bring people into the uh, uh referral network uh uh' it's, it's quite extensive As a matter of fact we've had some comments about, this is so long. <laughs> well, we we, we want to make sure that these people are familiar with the topic, that they they have a uh, philosophy of neutrality to listen to these people, uh, give them the kind of support that they they need when they're having these kind of uh, uh, things going on in their lives. And uh, uh, and they have the their proper credentials. And we're always looking for more uh, mental health practitioners, licensed mental health practitioners, and also certified hypnotherapists. Uh, so if any of your listeners are out there or, or in that category, we'd love to hear from you if you have that kind of experience. Uh, and I think what's going to happen with all the things that are, all these whistleblowers that are coming out now in this congressional hearing that's going on on Wednesday, um, that uh there's going to be people coming out of the woodwork uh that there's confirmation now that these things are real it's it's real and, and so whatever has been happening to them is also real and and so a lot it's not going to sit well with a lot of people i think I, because a lot of them try to you know push it down out of their conscious mind and not don't think about it anymore but now this is going to make it come to the surface and uh there's going to be a lot more people uh showing up i mean you know the Roper organization back in 92, you know, came out with this poll that said one in 50 or 6 million people at that time were having experiences. That like many? That. Wow. That many. And and that um, move forward in time now, uh, the population has grown significantly. Uh, so how many more people are having experiences? And this is not this was only for the U.S. that they, they did that survey. This is a worldwide phenomenon. And I'm going to throw a theory out at you, which is probably going to some of your listeners are going to go, he must be crazy. (laughs) But hopefully not. But but, uh, I firmly believe, I firmly believe that we've all had an experience, whether we consciously remember it or not. And I'll give you a, a couple of things that happened to me. One of the support group meetings, that uh, a person said to me oh i've seen you before and i said where the ufo conference or whatever and he said no i saw you on board the craft i said really oh that's interesting and i kind of blew it off it was probably a year and a half two years later a totally different person in in the group uh said to me the same thing i've seen you before i said the same thing where you, I, no 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 you were sitting on this bench naked on board the craft, and you were freaking out. And they told me to go over to you to calm you down. <laughs> and so at that point, I decided, hmm, I think I'm going to go get regressed. And I'm going to see yeah. if I can find something out. Well, I had three separate regressions. And uh, as it turned out, I had multiple pass lives, multiple past lives. But I did not bring up anything regarding being uh, abducted. Interesting. It was like a little time after that, that a person said to me, well, maybe these people are seeing something in a past life that you had, you know, that you might have been abducted. And that's, that's a possibility because, you know, there's time suppression. Uh, there's time missing time. Uh, you know, they, they bring you back before they take you. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff that they can manipulate time and space. And so why why couldn't they also suppress memories of, of those types of activities? And I think this is part of the universal process that's going on. Certainly reincarnation seems to be one. And many of the uh, experiencers have talked about the fact that the these non-human intelligences talk about the fact that reincarnation is a mechanism of the universe. This is how, how things operate. And uh, so... You know, I I I have to scratch my head, and I've done too much of that because I don't have much hair left. But um, the the uh, the the fact is that um, uh, these types of things are are entirely impossible impo- uh, based on the fact that uh, the way some of these craft operate, that it seems like they can manipulate time and uh, space and uh, and gravity and uh, and all of this stuff. So. Uh, we're dealing with the technology that looks like magic to us, you know, yes. uh, yes. D. Clark uh, talks about, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, definitely, it's uh, there's a lot of pretty interesting uh, revelations and in, in things that are going to be happening in the next few days as, as this episode's being recorded. Um, definitely going to be trying to check out that committee hearing for sure. Yeah. See what's going yeah. on with David Grush so, and and all yeah. of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Graves and uh um favor, I guess are the other two that are gonna be uh only only those three that I'm aware of right now, unless they bring in some uh some surprise guests, if you will. Right, um, right. <laughs> but uh yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting and, and hopefully it's gonna be a lot better than that last one that they did when our our federal government people didn't know their ass from their elbow.
0: (laughs) Right. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, you know, it goes to show too the people who just don't want to acknowledge this stuff because it breaks their, their worldview. It breaks their reality. It's, it's a lot to digest to realize that there is something else going on here. Uh, So that's
1: a good good point, Jeffrey. Uh, You know, there's a conscious dissonance going on that, 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 how people deal with this, uh, you know, they get up in the morning, they have breakfast, they go to work, they come home at night, they have dinner, they watch a little TV, they go to bed, they get up the next morning, do the same routine over and over and over and over again. So, you know, this, you know, and you you can't blame them. I mean, you know, they got to put food on a table. They got to take care of their families and, and things like that. So this topic is way beyond, you know, their, their thought process. And, uh, but there are pe- people like yourself. And by the way, thank you for what you do, um, oh. because it's <laughs> very important that, you know, you, we get the word out. And, and and so bringing on people like myself and others that you've already put on your show, um, it's really important. If they, you're opening it up to uh, to an audience uh, that that is it's important that they hear these kind of things and understand that, yeah, there is a different reality we're yeah. dealing with reality but then there's could be multiple reality
0: yes <laughs> yep it's uh just a big old onion multi layered onion here yeah that's a good way to, that's a good way to look at it yeah yeah exactly absolutely yeah uh now you're also um uh, you've been a chairman of this other group the AERC um can you talk about yeah. that for for a minute sure.
1: Yeah, this this goes back a number of years. This goes back to like around two thousand and seven, eight uh, timeframe. Um, I had uh, contacted the international director of MUFON, and I, I, I this was James Carrion at the time, and um, I said, "Hey, James, I, I think you guys are missing the, missing the boat here on not working with these uh, people that are calling into MUFON uh, and looking for help with their their contact experience. And so he agreed, and uh, but they didn't have a, something, you know, a formal uh, process. So what happened was that uh, they forwarded me all the calls that came in to MUFON to to me, uh, to Opus, and um, and so I was taking lots and lots of calls. Uh, these people telling their stories, and so I started to, you know, help them as best I could uh again with the support group and referrals uh hypnotherapists and mental health practitioners we didn't have the est uh set up at that point um and um one of the things they once that happened uh, they came back to me and said well look uh we'd like we'd like you to uh do a, a research project uh on uh you know these experiencers and so you know I, I put a team together, and uh, I got a couple of psychologists to, to work with me. Uh, we took 71 uh, people that felt that they had contact with non-human intelligences, and 51 people as a control group. And we we set up uh, the project, and we called it the Omega Three uh, Study. And let me let me uh, let me read you some of the conclusions of of, of the study that we came up with. Oh yes, yeah, uh, this, this is how the, the AERC, you know, developed uh, uh, utilizing nine different instruments, uh, psychological instruments. So um, there we go. In general, abductees/slash experiencers profile differently do, than do their comparison counterparts on a number of general psychological and specific neurological variables. Yet there are remarkable similarities between the experiential group and the comparison group. It should be noted that in no case did experience or comparison group participants show any signs of mental illness or personality disorder. So they did not have a psychopathology, number one. Neither none of the groups did. Fantasy proneness, which a lot of debunkers talk about, okay, is, is a factor, does not appear to play a differentiating role between the experiential and the control groups. However, Sensitivity to alternative realities and early and recurrent paranormal or psi experiences seem to play a role in the abduction experience. This next one is very interesting. Childhood conflict, psychosocial tension and abuse and trauma more than likely facilitated dissociative coping style in later life. And again, not in a psychopathological way, but in a way of dealing with the experience. Okay. Let's see where am I here? Okay. How much a part dissociation plays in abduction experience remains an open question. Both experience with and interest in the abduction phenomena have impact on how one's body is perceived to function, how one views the world and one's purpose in it, and how one defines or redefines one's faith, tradition, and beliefs. In essence, both experience with and interest in contact seem to change one's sense of self and one's worldview. And the other part of this is that so many of these uh contactees, experiencers um, come away with th- these, these incredibly positive uh, thoughts and, and that these aliens have given them. That one, we need to be better stewards of the planet. You know, we're, we are screwing it up by the numbers. <laughs> and that we need to be better to one another. We need, We need to be more loving. I mean, these are all wonderful things. And, and I believe at some point we will reach critical mass after we've, you know, literally all of us have been abducted and had an experience that this mindset will be will be there. And then perhaps we will not have wars and we'll do the right thing when it comes to working with one another and, you know, doing the right thing. So that was very interesting. to um, Abductees uh experiencers believe that there is a sentient purposive alien intelligence at play in their lives and at work in the world what the intelligence's goals are seem to be more beneficent than malevolent more benign than malignant this though remains an open question um and so there's been a number of studies other studies that have been done where they, they say the, n- the number of people that have had positive experiences Outweigh the, the, the number of people that have had negative experiences. I, I, they throw around like seventy to eighty percent are, are positive, and then the, the rest is a, a negative situation. And, and it really depends. Of course, you know the people that show up on our site; most of them are, are, have not had positive experiences because they're looking for help. Those that have had more positive experiences don't really need the help unless they they want to share stories, and that that also comes to, into play. Uh, we do have people that uh, are having positive experiences in the support group as well. Um, The next thing that we found, which which again, this is a whole nother area of of interest is uh, the brain generally in the temporal lobes and limbic system more particularly play a mediating role in the anomalous experiences such as abduction. This in no way implies that the abductions are all or only in the abductee's heads. Rather, it points to the likelihood of the temporal lability. In other words, their rapid changeability, heightened uh, reactivity, as um, a preset or a precursor to extraordinary experiences. So, you know, uh, you know, Gary Nolan from Stanford University uh, has done some interesting studies on uh, uh, these experiencers, where they, they they did MRIs on their brains and. They found that in the area between the Taudate and Futayman area, that there was a lot more connections in people that had psychic abilities, telepathic capabilities, uh, as, as opposed to other people where they have less and they don't have that that uh, capability. So uh that that's that's an interesting factor. It's almost like an evolutionary process is going in that eventually these people will connect with other. People that are having that same kind of thing going on in their brains, because they can communicate telepathically and are are psychic, um, and that the, the rest of us that don't have that capability will die off, and it, it just won't be part of the uh, the gene pool anymore. Uh, and so we're raising to a whole nother level. And this is what people talk about, you know, raising our frequency right. and things of that nature. So anyway. It, those are the kind of the main conclusions. But uh, also, we have uh, the, the full report, 28-page report uh, on on the omega-3 study, and um, we just finished the first phase of the omega-4 study. Which uh, the first phase was we went out to therapists and uh, to understand what kind of modalities they're they're utilizing to help their client base, and. Uh, We found out some interesting things there as well. Uh, One was the fact that most of the uh, people are dealing with grays, okay? The second thing that they're they're dealing with are orbs. The third thing they're dealing with is interdimensional beings. And the fourth one is poltergeist activity, ghosts. So it's interesting to see that those are the majority uh, types of cases that that, that they're dealing with. And then as far as, uh, how, what modalities they're utilizing. EMDR is one that seems to be very prevalent uh, as far as the hypnosis area. And the other one is uh, QHAT, which is another uh, modality that uh, a number of uh, therapists, I think Dolores Cannon was the one that actually uh, came up with the the process, the QHAT process uh, to help these people.
0: Now, what does um, that entail, if I can interrupt for just a second for my listeners? Yeah, who might I can
1: tell you, I I am not a hypnotherapist, so I'm, I'm going to have to uh, refer to that, to that question. But uh, you can Google it, as they say.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And, uh, uh, it,
1: it's, a, it's a way of, of working with the uh, client the experiencer uh, to help them. Um, the EMDR has things to do with eye movement. Um, And uh, QHHD, I'm not familiar with that that process, but we found that the majority of the hypnotherapists are either utilizing one or the other. And and so that's interesting because there's many other modalities in in the hypnosis world that could be used, uh, but these seem to be the prevalent ones.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh Now, I'm wondering, a lot of people who are experiencers, they may have a knowing that something happened, but a lot of the times people may not necessarily remember until some event triggers it. Like there's some kind of screen memory implanted in their mind. They might see owls instead of the greys. Are there some signs that people could be on the lookout for if they might suspect that they are dealing with this phenomenon?
1: yeah well you know one of the one of the things that uh triggered a lot of people was whitley Strieber's book communion you know they, they they walk walk into a bookstore or something and this thing is on the shelf and uh it triggered them all of a sudden all these memories started to flood back um so you have many things like that <clears throat> let me see if i some of the some of the Physical things that uh, people talk about—I mean, lost or missing uh, compressed time—that that is one of the uh, indicators that seems to come up often, very often. Like you know, one of the stories uh, that, or uh, you know, is in my book, is a couple—they're uh, amateur pilots—and um, they were picnicking in a park uh, north of Santa Cruz, uh, California, and they noticed this light over the ocean. And uh, this light got bigger and bigger until literally it was over their head, and it was a triangular craft about the size of a small air jet, not making any sound whatsoever, and uh, just kind of went into this canyon behind where they were standing. And uh, they noticed another light over the ocean, and uh, this this thing got bigger and bigger again. It was over their head again, a triangular craft about the size of a Learjet. The first one, they felt they were looking at it. The second one, they felt it was looking at them and they, they became somewhat frightened at that point. And um, they noticed five more lights over the ocean. But at that point, they decided to get the hell out of there. And they felt like they were on, on cruise control. They, they were almost like they were floating out of there. And this, this area is hilly uh it's it's dense vegetation it's it's dark during the day even and so this is already at dusk and you know it's getting to be late and um, they were able to get down to their car and that's the last thing they remember until three hours later they ended up in a restaurant which is only like 10 minutes away from where where they were (laughs) and so they eventually came to one of our support group meetings and uh they uh, had developed a rash after this experience. And they took a picture of it, and they went to a doctor, and the doctor examined them. Down. The doctor said, well, it's not poison oak or poison ivy, which is prevalent in that area. And then they went to her doctor. I guess it was his doctor first. And then uh, the, her doctor said, well, it might be some you know reaction to something you ate or you know, some allergic reaction of some sort, but I'm not sure what it is. So anyway, they took a picture of it, as they said, and they, they brought it to the support group meeting. And uh, they passed it around. And almost without an exception, uh, the uh, members of this uh, uh, the meeting said that they had a, a similar uh, rash uh, at one time uh, after an experience. And uh, so one of the people in a group said, well, I think I know what it's from. And um, we said, okay, well, what do you, what do you think? He says, well, it's a, it's a reaction to the fluid that they dip you in to sanitize you when they bring you on board to craft." So this, this case happened about 30 years ago. I got a call from them a couple of months ago. And The woman was absolutely uh, positive now because a a, a remembrance had come back to her that she was dipped in some kind of fluid when she was brought on board the craft. So, um, (laughs) super interesting, yeah. Oh, you know, other things that people, you know, audible tones before contact is, is kind of common, sudden abnormal silence before feeling a presence nosebleeds is another one unusual marks on the body puncture marks triangular marks dot surgery marks that heal abnormally fast scoop marks implants oh my goodness implants yes <laughs> that, that is a heck of a topic um
0: yes i wanted to talk about that actually yeah you know i i remember several years ago in Jeremy Corbell's film patient 17 came out and he worked with yeah. roger lear about all of right. his you know yeah. dealing dealings with people like what are these things uh do you have any mm-hmm. ideas is there <laughs> any well, are, any updates
1: well you know of course uh dr lear again is he's, he's not with us any longer although he, he may be somewhere because <laughs> this energy ne- never dissipates Yep. um but he wrote a book you know alien in the scalpel and uh Here's here's some of those findings that were, were verified by laboratories, you know, prestigious laboratories. And, and so he did a lot of good work, actually. So there's no inflammatory rejection reaction by the body to these foreign objects. What you know is you get a splinter in your finger right away. It gets red, it gets sore. I mean, you know, you know that something is going on. Uh, there's no visible portal of entry in a lot of cases. Collections of specialized nerve Ending surrounding the object. Okay, and again, you know, a splinter, a splinter, you're not going to have any nerve endings, you know, growing out of there. Um, An outer coating of ceramic biological material. So, a combination of things, a metallic phase where inorganic metal becomes biological tissue. The emissions of this one is a is a real showstopper. The emission of radio waves, which are deep space frequencies in the FM band. So who is listening and, you know, is, is, is this a, 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 a transmitting something like uh, I, I've heard theories about the fact, well, it's monitoring pollution levels in the body for whose sake is that? OK, um, is this a, a tracking device uh, so that uh, they, whoever they are, uh, can track you no matter where you are? Electromagnetic fields in excess of 10 milligauss. composition of meteoric iron 66, rare earth metals such as U-236, a single isotope of uranium existing by itself, as well as elements such as iridium, uh, which is very rare and hard to find in the Earth's crust. Non-terrestrial isotopic ratios indicating the involved elements did not come from Earth. And they say there's no evidence, folks. Come on!
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> great.
1: Um, the existence of carbon nanotubes, carbon nano strands, and carbon nanofibers—these um, factors were considered non-existent in nature, and many scientists made definitive statements that they could not be made in the laboratory. Al- although that has been uh, that has been done, they have been able to produce these things, um, and but but. The oldest of of these specimens uh, was taken from a a surgical patient which had been in his body for over 46 years, which is way before we had the capability to do these kind of things. So that kind of debunks that thing. Gold spheres which are of unknown function. Metallic caverns that are no larger than the diameter of one atom resistance to ordinary cutting techniques such as metallic sawing severing with a cutting instrument one of the specimens had to be cut with a laser uh i mean it's just phenomenal how all this is happening um you know that he was able to have 17 patients that he looked at and uh they, they did a tremendous analysis uh which those those are some super interesting fact that this is going on and you know a lot of times people don't know that they have an implant until they they happen to have an x-ray for what something else and it shows up right in whitley whitley strever's case he actually felt it behind his ear and he still has that there behind his ear they they he never removed it as a matter of fact one of the things that we we counsel people about if they're thinking about taking it and out unless it's bothering you just forget it, leave it alone. Because if you do take it out, they'll put it back in a place where you you definitely can't get to
0: it. (laughs) Wow. I I actually, I've never, uh, that totally makes sense. I haven't heard of that before, but you know, if they're tracking you, they can find you anywhere in the world. They can warp space and time. Have you talked with anyone that's had that happen? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Cherry Lovelace. Uh, I don't know if you, I think you might've had him on your show at one time or another. Um,
0: I haven't, I know the name, but, um, <laughs> probably help, we'll have to have him on at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, the, um, he had an experience when he was in the air force, uh, with a buddy of his and, uh, uh he had x-rays, um, Taken of these implants. And uh, he decided he was going to have them removed. And uh, the next day that he had that thought, uh, when he was scheduled to go to have them removed, uh, they did another x-ray before they did, you know, did the procedure and they were gone. So that that was very interesting. That uh, you know, for whatever reason they they decided to have them removed now you know you mentioned earlier you know are these things extraterrestrial are they interdimensional are they time travelers is it our military um i think it's all the above and probably whatever you can possibly think of um oh um it's it's going to be uh interesting to to uh uh see things like that uh, uh in people and you know bud hopkins uh, has a number of pictures in, it, in some of the books that he's written where you know this object is in a person's nasal cavity and uh, uh you know just how do things get there you know uh, and what's their purpose uh so yeah we're still we're still trying to figure that out
0: yeah, yeah. Has there been anyone who's kind of taken on uh, Doctor Doctor Lear's work after he passed to kind of try and further understand this part of the phenomenon, or not really?
1: Yeah, well, the, the, I I ran into a a, a man um, at one of matter of fact at the uh, uh, MUFON uh, symposium uh, two years ago in uh, in Las Vegas. And um, he 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 uh, basically had the capability of uh, uh, being able to look at, at someone's uh, implant, uh, understand where it is, um, and then basically neutralize it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so he's he's involved with it. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head. Um, so and there's another person that actually had worked with uh, Dr. Lear uh, down in southern california um and he shows up at various uh, conferences and uh uh is able to find these things in people if they're they're if they're, they're uh, I don't think he he's a surgeon though so, so he doesn't remove them but uh, he uh, I believe he does know people that uh, can perform that function so they're two people that I know of
0: right now. Gotcha. Well, I'm wondering next you, you mentioned that there seems to be, and people talk about it, of course, some kind of upgrade, some frequency upgrade and this revelation or this theory rather that most people are going through this process. Um, there's also been talk of a an alien hybrid program that is going on, kind of clandestinely, and and uh, alien alien DNA is being mixed with human DNA, and that's pr- potentially one of the methods they're using uh, to do this process. Can you can you speak on to that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. Um, and again, it's it's a topic that's in my book, The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of the Alien Contact. And there's a couple of theories about why this is going on. Um, and, and there's a there's a there's a, a person on our board, uh, uh, Geraldine Roscoe, who has been intimately involved in that process. She has supposedly 21 uh, children, children. Uh, that uh, was was a combination of her DNA and alien DNA. And she's seen these uh, children. And based on her feelings and, and the way the interaction goes with these uh, children. Uh, she's a firm believer that they're definitely hers. Um, and uh, we feel that one of the cases, one of the theories, is that uh, there's something going on uh, with with their race, uh, the alien race, and they they need to do this to, to basically propagate the uh, themselves uh, because they can't do it any other way. Um, and uh, uh, there's there's a book called uh, Rachel's Eyes uh, by Helen Luttrell, who just recently passed away as well. <laughs> But it's a fascinating book uh, about her daughter going to college. I think it was Humboldt the College uh, in Northern California, uh, being, having a roommate that was a hybrid. And she was very different. She always wore a hat, glasses, uh, looked very different. The military brought her special food. Um, there's a, uh, a a program a, a, a retrieval retrieval crash retrieval program that's going on where they do take these aliens and they 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 mess with them and they try to um, acclimatize them and also to maybe make them look more like us um, uh, that, so that's another aspect of it um, and then the other, thing is it, it's basically a way to take over. <laughs> uh, that uh, you know, eventually uh, uh, they'll perfect this process, and uh, I, I think uh, David Jacob has already said that they they have perfected it to the point where you can't tell uh, a, a hybrid from you and I. That they they look just like us, and you can't tell. And I have run into many people uh, that claim that they're they're hybrids and they look like you and I. There's there's no, no no difference, but they feel that they're a result of genetic manipulation um, and why they feel that way. You know, and Gary Nolan, again, from Stanford University who was asked this question, so what do you think about that? And he says, well, the only problem with all of this is when a person says they're a hybrid, how can you tell? Because we don't have uh, what he says anyway, that, we don't have uh, alien DNA to compare. You know, we can't compare anything. You know, so it, whatever they found in, in people, it looks pretty normal. Doesn't look like it's been manipulated, because we don't have an example of what that alien DNA is all about. But there's so many people that are saying the same thing: that yes, this process is going on. It's happening. Children are being created. Um, you know, and, and they don't look that good, you know, they, they don't, they, they look usually very sickly and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what good is that? You know, I don't know what the end end game is on that. You know, if they're, if, unless they've been able to perfect it. And again, David Jacobs, supposedly in one of his books talks about hybrids. He calls them hybrids because they look so much like you and I, um, But um, now it's, it's again, another conundrum, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't don't know for sure.
0: Right. Right. It would be like uh, an ant colony trying to figure out why, (laughs) why their colony shifts or they have people members of their colony go missing or the queen goes away. And it's like, how could you possibly understand, uh, you know, whatever these things are higher dimensional beings, extraterrestrials that are millions of years more advanced than us. So it's uh, there's so many possibilities and it's, it's, I don't know if we'll ever, (laughs) ever get an answer unless they come right out and tell us and reveal their reveal themselves. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, many of these women that have had these experiences of, uh, you know, they have missing fetuses. You know, they 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 literally have a sonogram that's done and they see the baby and everything and everything looks good. And the next day their stomach's flat. There's there's no other indication that anything went on except that the baby is not there anymore. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's they have sonograms that show the baby and the next day and then and the doctors say well you had a miscarriage well the, there was no blood there was no, nothing um uh, or, the, or the body absorbed it that fast within 24 hours i don't think so yeah so there's something going on folks
0: <laughs> yeah it de- yeah. definitely yeah. seems to be yeah it's uh The more the time passes, it seems like, uh, it's an inevitability that, uh, it'll be known to most people, whether or not they accept it is another question. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I think we've, we've covered, um, pretty much all the questions I, I had, unless there's anything else you'd like to like to add today.
1: Well, I think I think, you know, I was going to finish uh, some of the uh, attributes of where people might be thinking that something is going on, you know, where people talk about paralysis or recurring headaches and eye and vision issues. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, move, <laughs> of course, if you're moving through uh, windows or solid matter, that, that, that that's definitely an indicator. <laughs> um, um, you know. Maybe dreams of uh, lying on an examining table or being probed, Uh, mentioned missing fetuses, uh, out-of-body experiences, poltergeist activity, orbs, uh, telepathy, psychic abilities, metallic taste in the mouth, feeling of heat or sometimes sunburn. Um, And, of course, you have the psychological effects of anxiety, fear, fear of specific locations all of a sudden, flashbacks, sleep disturbances, phobias uh are very common depression confusion ptsd um uh, inappropriate reactions like what individual experience when i mentioned already earlier whitley speeber's book communion when they saw that picture on there of the the gray and it was like they wanted <laughs> <It brought laughs> all that uh that kind of thing but um yeah i think that the the bottom line on all of this uh jeffrey is is the fact that uh we're here to help people uh we're totally neutral uh we give them three things that we can help them with. One is the, the, the online support group, which I believe is probably one of the, the biggest helps uh, for these people. Uh, a referral network of mental health practitioners and hypnotherapists, and then the triage group, the ESD, the experiencer support team. That is very uh, knowledgeable. And uh, basically, when a person comes to us, they contact them and uh, try to understand what it is that they're looking for what kind of help that they're looking for. Um, so that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. It also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're always looking for more uh, licensed uh, uh, therapists and uh, uh, certified hypnotherapists. And again, the book, The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact is on Amazon. And all the proceeds of that book go directly to Opus. I don't, I don't get anything for it. So that's my contribution to the cause.
0: Right. Yes. And it's uh, a great organization to have out there for, for people who are looking for support and don't know where, where to go and, and how to deal with these things that are difficult to understand why they're happening to you and what the, what the end game is here. So.
1: You know, what, you know to add on to that, you know, these people are dealing with a phenomenon that is is really abnormal. Uh, and, uh, oftentimes they can't talk to family members they can't talk to co-workers they can't talk to clergy uh you know and uh, so it puts them in a in a really isolated situation which is which is terrible I mean if you can't talk to anybody about this you know it, it just starts going around in your head you know like this uh, worm and 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 it, and it drives you crazy it absolutely does uh so uh, it's important to be able to talk about these things and that's what we're here for
0: great great well this has been a very um fascinating and eye-opening discussion less um for those uh, of my listeners who aren't watching on, on YouTube and can see your backdrop can you can you tell yeah. tell my listeners uh where the best place to find you online is sure.
1: mm-hmm. absolutely yeah all you have to do is go to opusnetwork.org opus. O-P-U-S Network, that's all one word, dot org, And, uh, you can, you can see what we're all about there. We have a lot of resources on there. We have articles, documents, uh, that you can read. Um, we have interviews that I've done actually, uh, with various people, uh, probably one of the, the, the biggest ones, uh, that I did was with John Ramirez, a retired CIA officer. And, uh, He had some interesting revelations as far as timing of of uh, another whistleblower coming out, which is, again, another thing that's going to be happening relatively soon. So uh, and he supposedly has four stars on his shoulder. So it's like big, big, big time
0: news. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of real interesting things are coming down the pipeline for sure. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, Les, and uh, we'll have you back on again at some point for for an update on what's going on out here. Thank, Thank you. Thanks again to Les for coming on the show. He's truly doing some important work out there with Opus and providing a network of support for people out there who are genuinely going through these types of experiences they can be frightening traumatic and you know i i suppose we'll see what comes of all of this and what kind of grand plan if any that these other beings out there might have for humanity as always i want to give a huge thank you To everyone out there who checks out my show, downloads it, listens to it, shares it with friends and family, it helps me out so, so much when you do that. The Strangeology Podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of listeners like you. To any advertisers or companies out there looking to collaborate with the Strangeology Podcast, or would like to be considered for an interview on the show, please send all business inquiries to info at strangeology.com. And if you're looking for a way to support the show and what I'm doing here, please go check out my Patreon. You're able to join for as little as $1 a month, which is way less than the cost of a cup of coffee. I've also got a number of tiers with increasing benefits like shout outs, early access to episodes, along with access to ad-free episodes and access to the Strangeology Beyond episode extension, which many times is a whole other episode and topic in and of itself exclusive to members. There are also merch discounts to my Etsy shop, exclusive merch like special enamel pins or varsity style bomber jacket with an embroidered Strangeology logo, and I add exclusive merch periodically so it's not just a static thing there's also voting power for topics that i can cover and there's even a t-shirt of the month club for my home state cryptid collection of shirts it's a great time and to all the members out there i want to give a big shout out to all of you you're all amazing and your continued support helps keep the lights on here at strangeology hq so thank you all so much. And again, if you want to join this ever-growing community of fellow lovers of the fortean, the strange, and unexplained, check it out at patreon.com forward slash strangeology. And if you're looking for another way to support the show, you can check out my Etsy shop, which is at strangeology.etsy.com. I have a whole assortment of cryptid, alien, and fortian gear available on apparel like t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, sweatshirts, long sleeves. Cold weather is coming, so you definitely need to rock some sweaters and hoodies for sure. I have my ugly Christmas cryptid collection of sweatshirts back in the shop. I have a brand new design for Dog man, that says happy holidays. <laughs> uh there's also stickers magnets prints mugs enamel pins and more and i'm always trying to add new designs and looking at different merch items to add those designs to i've got big plans to get patches in the shop for some existing designs and new designs i've had a lot of people asking about patches so that's definitely coming can't guarantee that'll be available before the end of the year because the holiday season goes a little nuts. But stay tuned, it's coming. Again, that's strangeology.etsy.com. Alright, I think that's all for me for now. I'm gonna take a quick break, and when I come back, Les was able to hang out for a little while longer to chat more about alien abduction experiences and the work he's doing with Opus so you won't want to miss it. Patrons, stick with me, and for everyone else, until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other, and keep it strange. to Strangeology Beyond, your exclusive portion of the show. Bless.